Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to a divisional round edition of the Full Slate NFL Pick'em Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Blue Wire and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother, out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we had a whoosh bomb go off this afternoon. An absolute explosion. It kind of felt <laughs> like after uh, last night with James Harden, his comments, after the Rockets lost to the Lakers, he had to be traded. I don't know how you could come back and play again for that team. So, yeah, it was wild. And as the details came out of the trade, it just kept getting crazier. Oladipo getting involved, Karis Liver being moved uh, to the Pacers, four teams getting involved. So, it's exciting, and it'll be interesting to see how Harden, KD, and I guess if Kyrie comes back, which who knows what's going to happen with him, um, if those three guys can make it work. But it was, it was an exciting day of NBA Twitter for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's insane that the the Rockets were basically in hostage mode since this offseason when Harden turned down the $50 million year extension. It was just kind of a matter of, whether he's going to somehow change his mind if he loved playing with John Wall, which is incredibly unlikely as we've seen play out, or it was either going to the Sixers or the Nets. I kind of felt like if you're Rockets ownership, you don't want to deal your best player to Daryl Morey, who just left you this offseason, apparently had like a bit of a tiff with the owner, uh, Fertitta. So 
I mean, if you're the if you're a Rockets fan, you got to haul back for a um, disgruntled superstar here. In terms of the Nets, now, I mean, depending on where you see the odds, they're basically the second title favorite to the Lakers. Are you buying that hype, Tyler? Because, like, if they could somehow just, like, maybe sedate Kyrie, I don't know exactly what they need to do there, to get him to actually play and, like, be a good soldier for a year, I still like their chances just because we know the NBA is a star-driven league and they have three top 15 guys. Yeah, I mean, those guys stay healthy and Kyrie is playing. I don't see how they don't win the East, honestly, you could say, oh, there's only one ball and how did those guys' games play fit together? There's obviously some quirks there, but when you have Harden, KD, and Kyrie on the court, no one's going to be able to match that offensive explosion in the uh, Eastern Conference. So I like it. I mean, they don't have a lot of depth now, giving away Jared Allen, LeVert, Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddie's already been hurt. I'm not sure what his status will be, you know, come the end of the year. So they definitely don't have a lot of bench firepower, but with that offensive lineup in, in the starting lineup, I mean, they should be able to beat most teams on any given night. I don't know how much defense they'll play, but I feel like by the time they get to the playoffs, they'll have most of that straightened out, but they'll be fun to watch. I feel like there usually, there are like sometimes four team trades and there's always a throw in. I feel like for the four teams, they all kind of came out with a good end of this for the Nets. Obviously you add the top 10 guy and, only bolsters your title odds, honestly. I think they were good enough before, but you get Harden. You have a chance to get James Harden. I think you have to pull the trigger for the Rockets. Like you said, they were in hostage mode to get four first-round picks back, four pick swaps. I don't think those picks you know, this year or next year will be worth a lot. But in two, three years down the line, who knows who's going to be on this Nets team. We already saw this when the Nets did the trade with the Celtics. As we see, these teams don't stay together super long. The NBA guys love to be moved after the slightest inconvenience, the Cavs, I mean, they somehow got into this. <laughs> poor, Jared, poor Jared Allen. Jared Allen and Torian Prince are both, like, solid players for not really having anything to do with this trade. I don't hate it for them. And I think the Pacers made a really nice move, uh, swapping Old Depot for Levert. Old Depot's probably a little better, but Levert is a little younger. It's a better contract. They also got a second-round pick, so I don't think that really lowers their ceiling at all in the Eastern Conference, so I like it for all four teams, really. I don't think Harden handled the situation in Houston at all, but he got what he wanted. Yeah, he got what he wanted, and honestly, as an NBA fan, we also got what we want. What do we want out of the NBA? We want superstars kind of moving around, keeping things interesting as, as we've come kind of accustomed to the past decade, and we want drama off the court Twitter, and you know what? The Nets have already delivered that. There's Wob or uh, yeah, Wob tweeted out like conspiracy theories about where Kyrie's been, all this stuff, piecing together things. It's nonstop drama, and honestly, we're we're here for the reality TV. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows we're big reality TV guys, so only time will tell if this thing actually works out. But I, I know the Nets give up some depth depth for the top line talent, but in the NBA, that's what you need to win. So I like it for them. I think they will figure it out. These guys are so good and they want to play together. The major outlier at this point, last thing is just like, will Kyrie Irving like play basketball? Like we just don't, we just don't know. I think if I'm a Nets fan, I'm more nervous about that than I am this trade. Yeah. I feel like it's in the spot where you don't want to say 
be super critical of Kyrie because who knows what's going on with him. He is he's off the reservation, so I don't know if he's having some personal issues. But clearly, basketball isn't on the front of his mind. And like you said, I think the ceiling for this team obviously is they could win the title, and these guys click right away. Obviously, Katie and Harden have played together before, and it's super fun to watch. And they roll through the East and. You know, whoever comes out of the West, Lakers, Clippers, like it'll be a great finals and they'll be super fun to watch. Or the, the downside of this is these guys can't play together. There's an issue. And it's 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 fun to watch this just explode in front of us. Yeah. The NBA is the greatest reality show out there. So I'm here for any side Besides of it. Besides double shot. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. close second. Close, close second. One, one B, I would say. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely here for it, I think. I don't think this is the last big trade we'll have also, um, given you know how the NBA is this year, I think. They were saying if the Rockets fall out, Oladipo could get moved again, given that he's a free agent after this year. And I don't know if Brad Beal gets traded with the Wizards being bad. I think this is. A, I think we'll have a, another big trade at some point. Yeah, poor Oladipo, IU guy, perpetually in, in trade rumors throughout his entire career. But let's get to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs here, Tyler. First game on Saturday, we have the Rams going into Lambeau, taking on the Packers. Packers are, Packers are 6.5-point home favorites in this one. The total's 45.5. For the first time this year, Lambeau Field will have some fans. That's exciting, up to 6,000. Um, the Rams took care of business for Seattle, but they are coming in banged up across the board. Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, John Wolford, both their quarterbacks, Cooper Cup, um, and the Packers coming in off the bye. Um, finished the season very hot. Aaron Rodgers likely to win MVP, threw for 48 touchdowns. Where's your head, head at with this one, Tyler? Yeah, so a couple large macro trends, uh, you know, going back to our finance days. Um, number one seeds are just 9, 17, and 2 against the spread in the divisional round since 2007. Also, postseason road underdogs that are coming off an outright win. So the Rams last week are 19, 25 against the spread in the divisional round since 2004. So just some trends for you out there. Um, as far as this game goes, obviously, like you said, the Rams are banged up. I think all those guys are going to play. Not Walford. Wolford? Walford? Walford. Yeah, he isn't uh, in that respect yet. So I think Goff is going to start again. Um, mm-hmm. The play I really like in this game is the under, 45.5. I don't think this will be a high-scoring game. With Donald in there, I think their defense is going to do a good job of limiting this Packers team. I do end up thinking the Packers win the game and pull away late just because I don't think the Rams offensively are going to have enough um, to keep up with this Packers team. And also in the cold weather, I don't think they're – they're well designed for it. I know they ran the ball well last week, but I don't think in this game at Lambeau they're going to have it enough. So over the last four games, including last week's game, the Rams are 31st in offensive success rate and explosiveness. So, And we've seen it. Their offense has been super limited. It hasn't mattered if Goff or Wolford is out there. And obviously Goff is banged up. If Cooper Cup banged up, even these guys are playing. They're not at 100%. So I think they're going to struggle to score. And on the other side, I think the Packers will be able to put up some points, but the Rams' defense is so good that they're not going to be able to walk the ball up and down the field on them. So I like the under at 45.5 as the play. Uh, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm in complete agreement, which scares me a little bit. But the Rams' defense is unbelievable. Aaron Donald said he feels no pain after his rib injury. He's feeling strong. I'll be ready come Saturday. That's his quote, not mine. Um, the Rams are incredible defensively against both the pass and rush. Fourth against the pass, third against the rush. You'll have Jalen Ramsey guarding Devontae Adams, who is an absolute monster. But I think it sets up nicely for the Rams to be able to keep this Packers team around that 20-point mark. Jared Goff or Wolford, if if they were like fully healthy, I'd feel more bullish about taking the Rams, but I don't love it. I do, th- I do agree with you. I think the Packers end up winning this game. I think it's close to potentially Packers pulling away late, but Packers' defense has held four of its last five opponents to 16 points or less. 45 and a half. I saw it's going to be low to mid-30s in Lambeau. Potential for a bit of snow. So I'm with you. The under's the play here. Jared Goff in cold weather. He's a California boy. He went to Cal. First overall pick. Played in L.A. He's played two games in weather under 30 degrees, which we we might get there in the second half of this game. He had a combined 34.5 passer rating, 47% completion percentage, no touchdowns, five interceptions. He's playing a Packers team that's fully healthy, which I feel like Packers are literally never healthy in these situations. Um, and I, I see the Rams kind of relying on a rushing attack to cover up for the fact that Goff's thumb is banged up and the fact that he's Jared Goff generally. Um, so I like the under. Well, they did lose their left tackle, but defensively, I think they are healthier. Um, and another reason to like the under is the Packers have the least amount of turnover, had the least amount of turnovers during the regular season. And also their defense is bottom 10 enforcing turnovers. And we saw last week with the Rams game, what killed us in that game with betting the under was turnovers. They had the pick six, another, um, turnover set up a short field. That's what kills you when betting an under. So Packers don't turn the ball over a ton. Rogers only threw five picks this year. So He's been great at securing the ball there. They also play the slowest pace in the NFL. So I, I feel like, and I also do like the Packers, as we talk about it more, at minus six and a half. I think they win this game like 27 to 10, something like that. It kind of reminds me of the 49er Viking game from last year, where it was close for a little bit in the first half, and then the defense uh, starts to suffocate. You know, the lesser opponent, the Rams being this year's Vikings and just not having enough offense. And Jalen Ramsey's been great. I think he'll be able to limit Devontae a little bit. Just looking at some of his stats this year, no receiver has gone for 100 yards uh, when guard, when Jalen Ramsey's been guarding them this year. DK Metcalf last week only had 33 yards. Week 17, DeAndre Hopkins had 28. The week before, DK had 11. So he's done a great job, if anyone can slow down Devontae Adams. It probably is Jalen Ramsey. So that's why I think the Rams keep it close for the first half and then Packers are just too much in the second half. Yeah, yeah. So is your official play on the Packers or the under? Uh, The under, but I like the Packers also and throwing them in a tease with maybe someone else we'll talk about. Yeah, little Packers money line in the under. I feel like that's, that's a nice little play. The, the late game Saturday night, the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Buffalo, take on the Bills. Bills are two-and-a-half-point home favorites. In this one, the total's 50. The Ravens finally, specifically Lamar, finally got the monkey off his back. Got his, uh, his first career playoff win last week in Tennessee, beating the tight ends. Uh, and the Bills, they survived the scare versus Indy. They won by three there. Um, Tyler... This, to me, was the hardest game to actually 
predict and, and give out a pick? Yeah, it's tough. I go back and forth. The percentage of the bets is pretty split even. It's 52-48 bills, so not a huge difference um, going off action hour. The line opened at minus three, and now it's two and a half. I think people are excited about the Ravens coming off that win and how good their defense honestly looked last week versus Tennessee, how they were able to really make Derrick Henry you know, do nothing in that game. That was super impressive. It's supposed to snow, I think, in this game as well Saturday night. Lamar's never played in the snow. People are saying, you know, obviously that could be a disadvantage, but I don't think it is for the way the Ravens like to play. They've rushed for over 230 yards in five of the last six games. Um, they're third in rushing success rate, fourth in explosive runs this year. I think this game is lining up really nice for the Ravens, the way they want to play. If it is snowing, I think that favors their game more than Buffalo. Buffalo's defense is 28th in rushing success rate this year. They've given up the fourth most amount of big runs. I don't. I want Buffalo to win because I want to see Buffalo versus Kansas City, but I, I think the Ravens are the play here, going against my heart, going with my head. I think the way they're going to play, they're going to be able to dominate. We saw the Colts last week. The Colts should have won that game. Having the money line is so frustrating. It was the classic Philip Rivers game. I heard Bill Simmons say on his podcast, and this is, I think this is like, should go, if Philip Rivers makes the Hall of Fame, like this should go on his plaque. They were the first team ever to have 450 yards, no turnovers in a playoff game and lose. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's, it's incredible. The, the stats are insane. Looking what the Colts did last week. They, yeah, the Bills allowed 472 yards to the Colts, 6.2 yards a play. The Colts crossed midfield on 9 out of 10 drives. And this is the Colts we're talking about. They were one of the sneaky, highly ranked offensive teams in the NFL. But you look at the way this Ravens rushing attack is coming in. They've won six straight now. They ran for over 230 total yards in five of those six wins. And you already hit on a few of the weaknesses in the Bills' defense. But piggybacking on that, they've gave up 163 <clears throat> rushing yards a game. That's third most in the NFL, 4.6 yards a carry. And specifically, the Bills actually played a pretty light schedule of opposing offenses, uh, 20th ranked schedule of opposing offense, offenses, and they gave up that many rushing yards. It really plays, I'm in agreement with you in the sense that one, I want the Bills to win. I want Josh Allen versus Mahomes. I think that's the most fun matchup here. But this game lines up absolutely perfectly for the Ravens. I think they come in, they're going to play looser. I think Lamar getting that first win will help open him up. His ability to make game-breaking plays, Josh Allen similarly can do it as well. But the the rushing touchdown last week versus the Titans was insane. He can just take it to the house. Um, and the Bills, Zach Moss is banged up in this one. Not as bullish on the rushing attack, so I'm with you. Ravens plus two and a half, and if you think you gotta you gotta double down on the money line as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you mentioned the stat with the Colts nine out of ten drives. The one drive that didn't was kneeling at the end of the half, so it was nine out of nine, which is insane. So I don't see how the Bills defense is able to slow down Baltimore. And, Again, trends are not your friends, but them being a road underdog is a spot they've been really successful with under Harbaugh. They're seven and zero against, or they're ten and one against the spread. Their last eleven as an underdog. Harbaugh in his career is ten three against the spread on the road in the playoffs. This is a spot this team has been in. This is now Lamar's fourth playoff game. 
Um, is this his first? No, he played on the road last week. Um, so this is a spot I think they'll be pretty comfortable in. Lamar's 4-1 and one against Fred also as a road underdog. So it seems like too easy right now to like the Ravens because the Bills did play really bad last week comparatively how they were playing towards the end of the regular season. That was like a C-minus game and they won, which you'd think they'd bounce back. But I think Baltimore wins this game. And I'm going to make another 49ers reference. Um, I meant to say last week, and I forgot, but this Ravens team reminds me of the 49ers year after they lost in the Super Bowl, and then the, when they went to the conference championship game to uh, play in Seattle, and they ended up losing. This Baltimore team came into the year with a ton of expectations. They lost a couple games early. Other teams emerged. They kind of went under the radar, especially towards the end of the year. They were winning a lot of games, but it was worse weaker competition, but during that stretch towards the end of the season, they kind of like reestablished their identity that they're just going to run on you, dominate time of possession, dominate the line of scrimmage. That's what they've done over these last six games. And that 49er team came in as the five seed. They ended up going to conference championship game. They lost, which is painful to Seattle, but it, everyone came away with, yeah, they were clearly the second best team in the NFC that year. I think the Ravens are going to kind of come away the same way where, they have been. They are the second best team. They just had such high expectations. Lamar coming off the MVP year that they didn't have as great of a season as people expected. So, I think all of that is lining up for Ravens Chiefs, with preseason people thought was going to be the matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the path just wasn't what we would expect. Another stat that does not bode well for this Bills defense: only two teams allowed more rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks than the Bills. So this. It, like, truly is playing directly, and the Ravens are able to avoid the Chiefs for another round at least because the Browns took care of the Steelers, and I think this matchup sets up very nicely for them. Um, anything else, Tyler, before we take a break? One, I'll throw a pro Bills stat out there. Um, the Ravens yeah. have blitzed the most time. They have the highest blitz percentage in the NFL, 41% of the time. Uh, Josh Allen has thrown a league-high 19 touchdowns against the Blitz this year. So, And we saw last week his ability to escape the pocket. It felt like the Colts had a lot of chances to get him down, but his ability to move, it's kind of like Mahomes and young Aaron Rodgers, honestly, the way he can move out of there. But still, I think the bigger issue in this game will be the Bills' defense. They didn't sack Phillip Rivers last week, so if you can't get after him, um, getting after Lamar is going to be a lot more difficult, especially with the stat you gave on rushing yards. Kyler Murray tore up this Bills defense um, earlier in the season. So we're two for two in agreement here. Never a good sign. Um, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about the next uh, the Sunday games and give out a lock of the week. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. 
To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, Cody, now let's move on to the Sunday games we got this weekend. The first one on Sunday is Browns at Kansas City. Browns come off a stunning upset of the the Steelers last week. They were celebrating the locker room, clowning the Steelers, which I personally loved. Um, The Chiefs are 10-point favorites in this one. Over-unders, 57 and a half. Where are you leaning on this one, Cody? High total on this one. Yeah, it seemed like everything kind of went right for Cleveland last week after everything went wrong during the week. No Stefanski. Uh, they're without their their left guard, Joel Batonio, uh, in that one. But the way that game started, they're up 28 nothing, and were able to hold on. Um, maybe a little bit of a shout-out to Mike Tomlin for that punt call in fourth and one as the Steelers were storming back. But an impressive win, nevertheless. They're going to get that monkey off their back. Their first playoff win since 1995. Baker played well again. Um, this matchup versus the Chiefs is really interesting in the sense that, like, you look at it, the Chiefs, similar to what we just said about the Ravens, you can say the same thing about both offenses in this game. So what I mean here is the Chiefs are the 31st ranked DVO, rushing defense by DVOA standards, and the Browns defensively are the 25th. Uh, best pass defense so both of these teams are gonna have a tough time trying to stop the other team from scoring um so 10 points is a lot in this one i think it's a lot to do obviously respect for the chiefs being the super bowl champions uh the fact that the we saw what the browns defensively i mean the steelers were able to pile it on once they figured out that you need to stop turning the ball over I, I'm leaning Browns here in this one. It makes me a little nervous that the Chiefs have just been, like, under the radar in the sense that they went 14-2. and two. They haven't really covered spreads this year. Um, but I'm leaning Browns just based on the fact of they get Stefanski back, they're getting their offensive line back, and they're just going to be able to run the ball in this Chiefs defense. So all that being said, I like the Browns. Ten points is a lot. And you can also get the Chiefs, who haven't really played in like two weeks. So I see them being a little bit rusty here. Um, so I'm taking the Browns, and I don't feel amazing about it. But I'm just, this is a bet backing Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I don't know where to go with this one. The Chiefs are 0-7-1 against the spread their last eight, 1-4 against the spread their last five as a double-digit favorite. So... They were they were coasting and you know they're good enough to do it. Like you said, they were fourteen and two, and the first game they lost, you know, that was a crazy game to Oakland. You know, if they had won that, you know, there's there's like it's not unrealistic that they could have gone sixteen and zero this year. Um, but they were coasting, and I don't know if it's you know what happens in the NBA a lot. You know, with those Warrior teams, especially the like the LeBron teams when he's on the Cavs, like not the best regular season. Seems like they're kind of packing it in. People are like, oh, can you know the Raptors win the East? Can the Celtics win the East? And then it turns to the playoffs, and LeBron dominates everyone and kept getting to the finals all those years. I don't know if that's going to happen with the Chiefs. Um, they definitely were in that mode this year. So if they're turning it on, I think they easily cover this game at minus 10. The Browns' defense ranks 24th in opposing QBR, 25th in touchdowns allowed this year. You know, the Steelers had no trouble moving the ball on them when, like you said, they weren't turning it over when they got out of their own way. Um, But I don't think in the NFL you could flip the switch like that. We saw it 
last year with Baltimore, and they were playing hot coming into the playoffs out of the bye. They were terrible versus Tennessee and kept making mistakes. It's not as easy in the NFL to flip the switch like that. So I'm with the Browns also at plus 10. I think their running game will be able to keep them in it. And I think Baker has kind of been underrated. Everyone thinks, you know, it's all the running game. He's played really well over the last second half of the season. His PFF grade, I think the last six weeks of the season, is actually higher than Patrick Mahomes. So he deserves a little respect. He played really well last week. So I I like the Browns as well. I think they're going to come out. They have nothing to lose, right? They won last week. They beat the division rival who has haunted them the last 20 years. Coming to this game, no one expects them to win. No one, I don't think anyone expects it to be close. Um, so I like the Browns. I think they're going to come out aggressive. They'll be juiced up to have the Stefanski back. They get Denzel Ward back on the defense, which is a slight, is a, you know, obviously good for them because they were pretty limited last yeah. week. <laughs> um, so I, I like the Browns. I just think they're going to come in guns blazing because they have nothing to lose and they, they just kind of want to shock the world. I mean, you look at the Chiefs' end of season. Their last seven wins in the regular season came by six or fewer points. The last five times they've been double-digit favorites. They're one and four in those spots against the spread. And Tyler, again, our good friends at Cleach Street. Trends, not your friends. But since 2004, divisional road underdogs are 22-11-1 against the spread against number one seeds. So that could be a byproduct of... They're coming in off the bye. We often find that these teams could potentially even rest some of their guys in Week 17. Like what we saw the Chiefs do, I just I think they're going to be able to put together a, a, enough offensively in terms of like long, drawn-out drives, keeping Mahomes on the sideline. And all they really need is like one – they're going to need one or two turnovers to cover the spot. So we're in agreement three for three. I love it. The Browns – this is going to sound silly maybe, but their first drive they have to score because they cannot get behind versus the Chiefs and play catch-up, especially if their defense plays the way they did last week. So they're going to need to get off to a good start like we saw last week, like we saw when they played Tennessee. They're going to have to come out aggressive and be creative with their game plan um, because if they get behind versus the Chiefs, I think that's, you know, if they get down 10 nothing, 14 nothing, they Not get out of the yeah, good. and that, that could happen. The Chiefs could come out and just flex and, you know, they could dominate, you know, the playoffs and be like, why did we ever doubt them? But I think there are legit questions about their defense and it is exploitable. Yeah, um, yeah. Let- I, I, don't, I don't think you can flip us. Like, offensively, I'm not worried about the Chiefs at all. Like, they had the dud of a game versus the Falcons a few weeks ago. Mahomes and the offense are going to put up points in this one. It's a matter of that defense. Like, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to stop this Browns rushing attack. I'm looking at the weather, 43 and sunny in Kansas City. So, no no element to weather. I think rain would have actually helped the Browns quite a bit here. But I'm, Kareem, I'm, Kareem I'm sticking Hunt. with them. Kareem Hunt coming back to Kansas City. I'm not going to say revenge game because they got rid of him for a good reason. But uh, he's coming back to Kansas City. So nice little storyline there. Um, but let's move on to the last game of the weekend, Sunday night. Bucks at Saints. Saints are three-point favorites. Over-under is 52. We finally get Breeze versus Brady in the playoffs. Probably should have gotten it two years ago in the Super Bowl. Obviously, we knew what happened there with the missed P.I. call. Felt like for years... There was a lot of chances to get it. Now we finally do. So it'll be exciting. As everyone knows, the Saints won both games in the regular season. 
and kind of culminated on that Sunday night game dominating. I looked back at the box score, and that, that was a beating. The Saints had 420 yards of offense in that game. Tampa had 194. Saints had 40 minutes time of possession. Uh, the Bucks were 6-22 of 22 on third down in the two games combined. So the Saints had their number this year. People love saying it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. It's not really true. Um, sweeping team, the team going for the three game <laughs> sweep is 14 and seven straight up in these games. Oh, really? Home, at home, they're 12 and five straight up, nine and eight against the spread. So they usually have uh, better success there. Cody, where are you leaning? Yeah, this is a fun one. People know I love my DVOA stats. Shout out football outsiders. This is one versus two in overall DVOA. So it should be a fun matchup. The Bucks. They, they come in looking good on paper, right? Like, efficiency-wise, all these things. They pushed last week, depending on where that line closed for you, versus Washington. Brady played well again. He's put up he's put up numbers. He's looked nice this year. They're 12-3 and straight up against everyone that is not this New Orleans team. All this being said, they do have some injury issues. Ronald Jones, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans are all banged up to varying degrees. I think most of those guys will wind up, if not all, will wind up playing. But it's noteworthy. I really like the Saints in this spot. Their defense has been rolling now. They dominated the Bears. I know Wims dropped that pass, but that game was true domination. The Bears had 239 total yards of offense, scored nine points. They had a 99-yard drive at the end of that game, so it was really out of it was domination. Uh, Matt Nagy and Trubisky had no chance in that one. Um, and offensively for the Saints, I think I gave this out last week. Their Breeze Thomas Kamara had been on the field for 10 quarters throughout the entire season. Now we're at 14. And you look at their offensive stats throughout the season, even with Taysom Hill, who we both don't like, they still put up good numbers. Uh, they're ranked fourth in the NFL in uh, – where am I at here? Total yards allowed. That's defensively. I'm losing it. Seventh overall in DVOA on the offensive side. Um, so I I really like this Saints team in this spot. I know there's, I feel like, some good juju uh, buzzing around for Brady, his third, third attempt to knock off the Saints team. I'm just not seeing it. I think you look at the the way the Bucks close their schedule, they play no one. They haven't really beaten a great team since they beat up on the Packers. It was very early in the season. So I like the Saints. I Again, I'm, I'm going to take Sean Payton over Bruce Arians in this big spot. Um, and more than anything, their defense, the Saints defense, third in pass defense and second in run defense by DVOA. If they can limit Brady in this attack. We saw what Taylor Heineke could do versus Tampa defense. Um, so I think the Saints, I, I like the Saints a lot here. Interesting, interesting. I didn't think the Saints defense looked awesome last week, but that, again, is, I mean, they've been good all year. But I also think that was because the Bears are so terrible. It's a quick side tangent on the Bears. Their president, they had like an end-of-year press conference today. And having a lot of fan, uh, friends that are Bears fans here, they were freaking out. Their president said, have we gotten the quarterback situation right? No. Have we won enough games? No. But everything else is there. That is a wild quote um, from a team yeah. that has been pretty disappointing and pretty horrendous offensively, but thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as it goes to this game, like you said, the Saints defense has been great all year. Brady has struggled versus them. 
Brady has five picks, a fumble, and six sacks in two games. Um, he's been sacked six times in two games versus them. But I don't know. You're taking the Saints. I don't. I don't. I don't want to agree with you. Um, and I thought Breeze was pretty bad in the game last week. And I know that Bears defense is still pretty good, but I, th- I thought he looked he looked kind of old. And they tried bringing in Taysom Hill. It didn't work. And the Bucks, given everything that's gone wrong when they've played the Saints this year, they have done a good job uh, guarding Kamara. Um, 21 carries this year. He only has 56 yards. So they have done a good job of limiting him. And their rush defense is seventh overall in rushing success rate. So that is one area they've succeeded in. And I saw a shout-out Jenna Lane from ESPN. She put this stat out on Twitter. And I hope Todd Bowles see this, sees this because this would be pretty useful for the game. So Breeze's completion percentage uh, is 74.6% when the cornerbacks are playing off coverage compared to 57.6% when both are pressing the receivers. So Todd Bowles, I hope you're listening to this podcast or you saw her tweet um, because that's what that's how you beat this Saints team. You get up close on their receivers. It's how they've lost the last couple of years in the playoffs. They've had bad breaks, but the offense in the games they lose does not play up to par. Get up on these receivers. Get pressure on Breeze. You know he likes to get rid of the ball quickly, and everything's a short pass. So that's how you beat this team. I'm taking the Bucks. Um, we saw last week they brought in Taysom Hill to throw a deep pass, and the guy was open, but he got sacked and ended up fumbling. They clearly don't have a lot of trust in Breeze's arm strength. I really think the Bears could have won that game if Nagy wasn't a horrible coach and Javon Wims maybe catch that pass. So I'm taking the Bucks plus three. I think I think they get it done. It's it's really hard to imagine Brady losing three times to Breeze. You know it's eating at him, and I think it will. It's it's leading up to a Brady versus Rogers uh, NFC Championship game, which everyone would want to see. It would be exciting. Um, I just you look at all the numbers and just how the Bucks have looked defensively of late. Not great. Not great. not not great, not great at all. So I faded them last week in my lock of the week, um, and I'm fading them here in the spot, Saints minus three. So we're in disagreement there. Monkey Knife Fight Tyler, before we get to our lock, uh, use promo code FULLSLATE for a free $5 free contest and up to $50 instant deposit match. Monkey Knife Fight, what a product. Um, I'm going to do a touchdown dance, Tyler, with Monkey Knife Fight. Fun getting a little groove on. Uh, I'm going to the highest total. It's a consistent thing here. I'm taking in this uh, Browns Chiefs game. I already said it. Chiefs rushing defense is a disaster. Browns pass defense is a disaster. So I'm hammering those two spots. I like Nick Chubb. I like Tyreek Hill. And I love Travis Kelsey. I think all those guys are getting at least one touchdown. And that will pay out nicely in the little touchdown dance. Tyler, what's your monkey knife I pick the week? Beautiful. Um, I'm doing a touchdown dance as well. I love to dance. Um, I'm doing it in the Ravens and Bills game. I'm taking Stefan Diggs, Mark Andrews, and J.K. Dobbins over two and a half touchdowns. Pays out two to one. Last week, the Bills had a lot of trouble guarding the Colts tight ends. Jack Doyle had a touchdown. Mo, Mo Alley Cox had a couple big catches. So I think Mark Andrews will have a nice game here. J.K. Dobbins has pretty much became the lead back there for Baltimore. Mark or yeah, Mark Ingram is getting he's getting healthy scratches. They're leaning on Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Stefan Diggs has been incredible this year. Um, so I like those guys to score over two and a half touchdowns. 
pays out two to one, and I think there'll be some fireworks in that game. So that's my monkey knife fight pick. Okay. And lock of the week. Uh, last week, you're, you're under Tyler, went over. So you're 0 1. My, my Washington football team, Taylor Heineke, led, led squadron, uh, pushed. So I'll go first. Golf rules here. Um, my lock of the week is the first game we covered Rams Packers. I'm taking the under 45 and a half, just fully putting all my Tyler shaking his head. Is that, is that the same pick you have? Going down under as well. Okay. Yep. So the, the double hammer lock here, um, the first well game. Yeah. Well play. Shout out Vegas, Dave. You look at the Rams' defense, they're unbelievable. Aaron Donald, I'm buying the fact that he's going to be able to tough through this little rib injury he has. Um, fourth overall in DVOA. Packers' defense has been cruising. Plus, biggest liability here is, of course, Aaron Rodgers coming in off a week off, maybe a little bit of rust, plus the weather going on in Lambeau, all the things we touched on. I love this I love the under in the spot, 45-and-a-half. It's a lot of respect, honestly, for a Rams team that I know they just put up 30, but even that felt fluky, so I'm taking the under here. Anything you'd like to add to our group block of the week? <laughs> yeah. Um, the Rams under, were, they were 12-5 and five hitting the unders this year. I think there still is a lot of respect for this team. You know, Sean McVay, all his assistants have got Malafleur was a Sean McVay assistant. A lot of his assistants have gotten hired as head coaches, and, you know, they think of the Rams as this offensive team. It's been the defense this year that's carried the water, so I think they still get a lot of respect there uh, from a couple years ago. So, Thunder is the play here. The Rams' defense is third in passing success rate this year. They're top five in limiting big plays. That's running and throwing, so... Again, I think they'll be able to limit this Packers offense to start the game, and then as it goes, the Packers will just pull away because Rams offensively won't be able to do much. I think A.J. Dillon will have a nice game if it's cold, too. They drafted him in the second round this year. You, 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 you love A.J. Dillon. I don't, I don't think I've ever mentioned him. Yeah, you have. <laughs> Maybe twice. Um, you know, you do so many of these things, you, you just forget. Yeah, um, a, lot of, a lot of press this year, a lot of press for us. Yeah, but uh, I think he's going to have a nice game. They drafted him in the second round. People didn't understand why. He's he's massive, and I think in cold-weather games, in the playoffs, they've kind of been saving him all year. This is when he shines, so I think he'll have a nice game. And like I said, the Packers play the slowest pace in the NFL, so I think they'll, um, they'll chew a lot of clock. The Rams defensively are third on third down, so they'll be able to limit the Packers' drives. The Packers are top 10 in red zone defense, so even though sometimes they give up some yards, they're good at clamping down in the red zone and making teams settle for field goals. So the under is the play in the Darwick, uh, the Darwick double shot lock of the week. 